Welcome to another episode on our newly branded podcast name called Hotship. It's the future of us and leadership. I have my co-host Annalisa Pomsky with me today. Hello. Um, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I'm we had live, right? Everyone would say hello. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just worried about my thing, you know, being zany. My Wi-Fi in my computer. <laughs> well, we have the Wi-Fi all in place and <laughs> computers all running today. And today we are having a really fantastic guest. I kind of like stalked her on Instagram first <laughs> when I was on Instagram and then slowly kind of moved it on to LinkedIn. And finally, with all the planets aligned, I finally got to speak with this fabulous human and she is Shanita Liu. Welcome, Shanita. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be with you in the spirit of hardship today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what really fascinated me uh, about you, Shanita, is, well, a lot of things, but let me start with the first thing that really stood out to me is your headline, Chief Energy Officer. Energy, right? It's such an important facet of our lives for us, especially the future of us or now of us. And with especially all the planets moving around and playing with our daily <laughs> chi and energy and whatnot, it aligns really well with what you do. But before I kind of like go off tangent, tell me a little bit about yourself and what does chief energy officer mean? Yeah, so I am a transformational life coach and my practice is called Coach Anita Inc. And I help women beat burnout because burnout is the theme that has shown up the most in my own life. I've burned out in every category of my life. And life coaching is a modality that has offered me healing and support to overcome my multiple burnouts and I just felt like it was so empowering that I wanted to support other women because as women we take care of everyone and everything else but ourselves we have to do it all we have to pick up other people's slack and there are a lot of behaviors and mindsets I think that we all kind of stuck with because we saw our mothers and our grandmothers carrying those those qualities and sometimes they don't necessarily serve us. I don't think it's healthy to be self-sacrificing all the time. I don't think it's healthy to not set boundaries and not ask for help and pretend like everything's okay. And chief energy officer was birthed actually last year, even though I've been in business, I guess, going on five years, I burned out last summer. <laughs> I went full-time for myself in my role, and it was a big leap and risk for me. And because I felt so bad about leaving the establishment, the traditional full-time role to pursue my own thing full-time, I thought I had to sort of overcompensate. So I overworked myself until I could no longer function. This was what due to that was not that long ago mm -hmm. and I went away with my family took it easy in July and then I realized well if I address burnout 
And it's all about helping people reset, refresh, and re-energize. Then one of the biggest pieces of what I do is about energy and restoring your energy so that you can re feel relieved and you can feel better and you can feel empowered to get on with your goals. So I never called myself chief executive officer to begin with. I didn't like the way it fit for me. And so when I stumbled upon chief energy officer, it only made sense to roll with last year till now. I love that in depth. And that journey that you have gone through, um, you touched on a few points you, where you spoke about you experienced burnout at multiple phases in your life, right? And oftentimes we, as a society, we are only exposed to the singular lens where the popular, popular uh, opinion is where you only experience burnout at work or experience burnout in school or experience burnout at home and once you experience it you know how to overcome it but your story your journey highlights and eliminates that important facets of your journey right can you share a little bit about you mentioned at every phase in your life experience burnout can you highlight at what stage and how did that burnout look like and how did it drain you and motivate you you saw my yeah. questions. <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest pivotal moments for me when it comes to burnout was in 2015 when I was sobbing on the New York City subway on my way to work. I had enough. I was sobbing in the corner. There was definitely someone watching me, but trying not to look at me uh, while she was sitting in her seat. And <laughs> I remember thinking like, this is bad. You know, I had been burning out. And at that time it was professional burnout. It was burnout at my job, getting um, promotions and then just taking on more responsibilities and I used to wear my multitasking and my project management type A personality like a badge of honor um, give me the gold star for producing and executing in a polished and perfectionist way and I will keep going that's what fed my ego that was part of my identity as a professional in at that time it was higher education and so I found myself sobbing on the subway because I realized I could no longer function as a workhorse. I couldn't even function, period. I was so sap emotionally, spiritually, um, and physically that I had the wake-up call that if I kept going at the pace at which I was going, uh, something even worse could probably happen to me. So it was an ugly cry moment. It was at the top of 2015. So to me, I had the whole year ahead of me, and that's when I had to say, okay, can I actually see myself carrying on like this for the rest of this year, for the rest of this month, heck, for the rest of this week? Like, am I going to get through the work week? And so that moment helped me realize that not only was I doing it in my professional life, but I was also doing it in my personal life. And I realized the way I showed up at home, the way I showed up for family and friends, I would drop whatever I was doing to always be there for other people. And I never, ever did it for myself. Self-care wasn't even in my vocabulary back then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the burnout was so bad that I mustered up the courage to quit my job. But as soon as I quit my job, I got pregnant. Then I put in an offer for a home. And this was now on one income. And then on top of that, I was completing my certification program. And then with no entrepreneurial bone in my body, decided to start a business. So every major life change that could happen, happened. And that sobbing on the subway moment was a catalyst. But because of that burnout, 
there was a lot of learning about what I was capable of. And coaching actually reconnected me to courage, power, and strength I forgot I had. So I had to leverage those resources inside of me to get myself up every morning and say, we're going to do this and we're going to do it a different way. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh. I was like being pregnant at the same time. Oh gosh. I would have cried every day. <laughs> And I would I have been did. crying at work and at the subway <laughs> <laughs> while I'm eating. <laughs> I would have been crying all the time. In the bathroom. Right. <laughs> Where can I cry? <laughs> well, you shared something really important. Well, it's important to me. You mentioned that you were sitting in the train, sobbing away, and someone else looked at you but acted as though they didn't want to see you. Like, is <laughs> I feel like that's something wrong with humanity. <laughs> that's New York City subway culture for you, right? Like you, anything goes on the subway. You can see anything outrageous. And I think for most passengers, they're just trying to buy their business and get from point A to point B. And so I, I almost felt bad for her. I was like, I'm sorry that you have to witness this while, while you are on your way to wherever you are. Um, but yeah, it's... I. It's, it's just like a New York City thing. It's just like people are just trying to mind their business and get on their way. <laughs> I was just waiting to get it for it to get more New York. Like you have a rat scurrying along, like <laughs> take like my pizza or granola bar. As I'm eating it. <laughs> like I said, anything goes on the subway. Right, for anybody who's good. listening, you know how it goes. <laughs> I was just matching. I don't know. I saw this on Instagram, like people just pushing pianos and just playing music um, for other people. Um, but speaking of humanity, you, you know, that moment where someone else didn't see you, um, well, they saw you, but they didn't see you, uh, in a sense where they didn't want to hear you. They didn't want to understand you, right? In terms of energy, I'm, I'm going to amplify this in a larger sense. And I know, Anneli and I have spoken about, you know, what has our community come to? How do we actually help our community? How do we build that community? Because uh, <clears throat> like we were brainstorming about us, our business, as to where do we take our business from? Yeah, we are strictly entrepreneurs. <laughs> you, you know, you, you get out of college, you get, you embark on your business, the struggles are real. And, and this is like making the invisible visible. Let's talk about that for a second. In order to build a community uh, where we come together, where we empower each other and truly have that courage, right? And you focus on courage quite a bit. I want to hear both of your, your take on how do we truly make that invisible visible in the sense of encouraging honest conversations? I think that especially with like what you do, Shanita, I think of like, I was kind of curious as to like when you help women with burnout, is there like a particular like, I guess burnout looks different for different people, but are there like trends and patterns that you keep seeing? And then to me, it's just like, if we can start talking more about what does burnout look in like women, especially women like, you know, who are super, super professional or women who like, what does that feel like if you work too much on your family and you're making so many sacrifices on behalf of your family? Like, like how, like, I think if we have more discussion, like, you know, if women can go on like Instagram and be like, you know, I cried on the subway today or like I slept because I know when I get burned out, I'm like, I could sleep for like 16 hours a day. And like, you know, I just want people to be like, you know, it was just hard to get out of bed this morning or like, 
I keep crying on the subway every day, you know, and like things like that. Like, I just, I think it's also like telling the patterns or like, and what patterns do you see? Yeah, I love that you brought up those examples. Very courageous of you to share that because I do think that we have to leverage, tap into our courage in order to get vulnerable to even say, this is what's really going on with me. Let's Mm -hmm. put aside the highlight reel that we're all Mm -hmm. sucked into on social media and let's give ourselves, have the courage to give ourselves permission to say, you know what? today's not a good day. Today, I feel very tired. Um, And the burnout symptoms and signs are things that I get into when I do group workshops with organizations and teams where everyone gets to be in a space. And I think that's the thing, right? We have to hold space for each other. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people just don't feel like social media is that space because now there's cyberbullying. I mean, you name it, right? You you can be vulnerable online and it could go really well or really poorly, Mm -hmm. right? And no one wants to take their chances. And the truth is, it's probably not even a safe space to divulge what's really going on in the first place. And so workshop settings, one-on-one coaching, and even in like what I notice, a lot of Facebook groups and communities, there are a lot of sort of forums that are going on online right now where people are holding space in the best way they can in a virtual capacity to say, all right, this is what's really going on for me. And this is what it looks like. And to your point about the fatigue and the frustration, because that's what burnout is. You can burn out, which is the verb, or you can suffer from burnout, which is the noun. And it's really just extreme exhaustion and fatigue and wearing out. But get this, it don't happen overnight. It's from prolonged activity. It's the tiny steps that you take over time. It's those choices to say, I'm going to send one more email. I'm going to show up to one more networking event, even though I have nothing inside of me to go talk to somebody today. Like it's all those small choices that we make over time that's leading to the sobbing on the subway moment or your body collapsing for 16 hours because you cannot go on any further. So it's important for us to create spaces where we can say, this is, the, this is how it's showing up for me. And when I do workshops, I also get, I try to help people get clear on what they need. And typically I'll walk folks through something I call a needs assessment, which is what do you need? Now I'm telling you right now in 2015, if anybody asked me what I needed, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. You are speaking a different language to me because throughout my entire life, personally and professionally, no one has ever asked me, what do you need? And it wasn't until I was in a coaching program where I had tons of people coaching me, asking me this question over and over again. I was like, this is an important question. It's at the crux and the core of our aliveness, right? Our needs matter. Our needs, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever they look like, have to be acknowledged, addressed. Otherwise, we're going to just end up on that hamster wheel, right? Which is what ends up happening. You don't burn out once. You burn out over and over Mm. and over again, right? And at some point, you have the wake-up call, whatever situation you're in to say, enough is enough is enough. I'm no longer willing to put myself in this situation because of this. Mm -hmm. And so you talk about encouragement, Mila. Encouragement means to give confidence to and to give courage to. So how do we encourage each other? Well, we show up for each other. And because so many of us don't even have the language to even know how to do that, right? Like what would that woman have done on the subway? You know, she could have asked me, are you okay? But maybe she was told that you're not supposed to do that. Mm 
that when you see someone in pain, you just let them be, you respect their boundaries, you respect their space, and you keep on moving. So we all have mixed messaging and we don't have shared language around what it means to show up for each other, what it means to actively listen. Sometimes you don't got to say anything to anybody, right? Sometimes all you have to do is just sit there and be with someone, right? The power of presence sometimes is the best medicine for you in that moment when things are falling apart. But we don't know that, right? So that's why... It, like now, it's so important that we acknowledge all of these mental health and wellness modalities, whether it's a coach, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a counselor, whether it's a support group, whatever it looks like, we have to be able to say, I'm no longer willing to DIY this. Clearly, I can't get out of my own head right now, and I need mm -hmm. to reach somewhere externally for now to get some support and just do something. Oh, it's deep. It's, it's, and I look it, it, deep in the sense that, you know, it sparks different parts of my brain cells to a point where you mentioned about small choices, right? Small choices compound to better. And that's so true. Where you asked this very important question, Shanita, what do you need? Right? In, in the process of getting burnt out, all the small actions and sometimes we see other people struggling. When I say struggling, they, we, we identify they, that they are on their part to getting burnt out. But we refrain from asking that very powerful question, what do you need, like you mentioned, just being in their pre presence, just sitting beside them. Or, you know, someone could have just sat beside you and handed you a tissue and say, didn't need to say anything, just take a tissue, wipe your tears and putting, <clears throat> the hand on your, not on your lap, that would be violation, but somewhere, <laughs> you know, that's safe. Depending on your relationship with <laughs> right, someone. Right. And you know what, though? I bet a lot of the, the time people don't even ask that because they know they probably can't give it to that person. If I see you crazed and fried and frazzled at work and I'm your colleague and I know you need to relax and I know you need rest, I can't give you that. So there's a part of me that says, I'm not even sure if I want to go there because now you're going to open up a can of worms and I, I, I don't know how to offer that to you. I feel helpless. Now I feel worse <laughs> trying to, and, and it doesn't need to be that way, but I remember some of my colleagues looking at me. Sometimes they would stop me like in the kitchen or somewhere in the hallway and be like, Shanita, like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. They're like, you're working on a lot of things. And I think they were trying their best to say, yeah, like hey, clues or, yeah, yeah, red flag, red flag, red flag. If we're noticing that you can't keep it all together, then maybe something's up. Right. Um, but that, that's a tough thing to do, especially in a workplace where there's work culture and, you know, their deliverables, their demands and their deadlines. So true. Uh, just recalling a few years ago, I used to be with Amazon and I had a clip. Well, I was, I was in a cubicle. We all sat in cute, like straight line cubicles and a clip of mine, she was the VP. And most people think VPs do not get burnt out or, you know, experience burnout. And all of a sudden I heard her get on the phone, probably it's a family member or or what whomever it is and I heard her say you shut your mouth you shut your mouth now you shut your effing mouth now and she 
stood up, she slammed her office door and she walked out saying that you listen to me and she started swearing and this is something that we have never seen and <clears throat> I do not know what compounded to that but I remember a bunch of us getting up and walking towards her and all she did was you know wave and, and just walk forward and, and you're so right. And the point that you made, Shanita, is like sometimes it's like respecting their boundaries is really important as well. But in those times when, when both parties realizes that help needs to come in some form of way, right? They can't handle, uh, I don't want to say trauma, I don't know what kind of trauma that they're experiencing, but let's say challenges. Personal life challenges can bleed into personal life challenges as well. Um, I mean, work challenges, and that can open up another can of worms as to, okay, how do we help someone cope in this space? But again, we do not belong singularly in in one space, right? We, we are not like, oh, Mila 5.0 at work and Mila 6.0 at home. We all share as Annalie as she is, or Shanitha as you are. Yeah, you know, she had a short fuse because she had a lot on her plate. And I think what happens is when that starts to happen and all the stuff starts to pile up, we get scared. We start trying to control things. Come on, sh you know, shut your mouth. Like, right, that, that example that you shared, it's like, just stop right there, keep it in, because I cannot handle one more thing. Do not give me one more thing to handle. Do not say one more thing that can set me off or make me feel some type of way when I got to get this thing done and turn in by five o'clock, right? Um, we are all strapped. I think when you are burned out or you're on the brink of burnout, you are strapped for the capacity just to deal with yourself, much less anybody else around you. And I remember I used to have a short fuse with my toddlers, like even just at the top of last year when I was experiencing a lot of personal and professional changes. And I saw that and I was like, this is something that Brene Brown talks about, like mm -hmm. offloading behavior, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm mad, now I'm going to offload it to you, whether I intentionally do it or not, I'm going to offload some of that frustration and you're, you're going to bear the brunt of it. So that's, it goes back to me calling myself chief energy officer because our energy is everything. It's what's inside of us. It's in our chakras, but it's also about the way we show up to everyone else, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your colleague in the, in the cubicle nearby, whether it's your partner at home, you better believe that what you're feeling that day is going to show up at the dinner table. It's going to show up at some point. Yeah. You just don't know how and you just don't know when. And when it comes out, it's not going to look pretty. It's going to look nasty, if anything, right? How many times do we say something that we didn't mean to say? How many times do we send a, send a message to somebody that we shouldn't have sent? You know, like we are <laughs> burnout. And I think that's just it. We normalize burnout get over it, survival of the fittest, just get energized again and keep going. But it goes a lot deeper than that. Your energy is everything. And if you don't clean it up, you don't get that negative juju out and work through it, heal it up, whatever it is, you better believe it will show up everywhere to everyone else. No, I'm with you 100%. That's why I was like, you can't control your feelings. So they pop up at like, you know, the most inopportune times for other people. 
and oh, everything you say is just so real, you know. Really and it's like inconvenient. It. Yes. Yeah, I don't got time to burn out today. I have no. something to do. I don't got time to. And, and, and then that goes hand in hand with self-care, right? Because if mm. we're not taking that time to uh, set the tone for the day, center ourselves, meditate, whatever that looks like, you know, then we aren't, we're not, we're not even managing our own energy because yeah. that's what it's about it's about energy management <laughs> self-care feels like a luxury and a privilege for so many of us yes. i've learned the hard way that you know it is essential your self-care is not optional your self-care is not optional <laughs> i've had to condition myself to adapt this new mindset behavior because as a coach i have to walk my talk if i'm supporting other women and doing this when they've never done it before then i too have to be consistent with that and i'll be very real and say that like i would i haven't been these last four to five years doing this work you know mm -hmm. it's taken me my own journey to, and and series of burnouts to get there but it's no coincidence that the World Health Organization just called burnout a medical diagnosis. Like they declared that last year. So we should stop bypassing our burnout, thinking that it's just some nilly willy, oh, I'll get over it in a week. I'll go on vacation. I'll come back and I'll yeah. be fine. It's, 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 it is about the small action steps you take over time that are going to lead to your ultimate shift and change so that you can show up less grouchy, more energized, more happy, and more aware of what you need and what you don't need so that you can actually stop walking into situations where you already know that it's not going to look good, right? You know, when you walk into a situation, mm -hmm. you're like, mm, 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 mm. yeah, I know where you're like, my spirit's not right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so, I love that you said that, right? Because you know, people are like, oh, I got to keep my vibration high. I got to keep, <laughs> keep my aura class. That's real now yeah, that i practice no, reiki is. which is like healing energy work with hands i get that now i'm like oh my god that isn't woo woo stuff that is literally tied yes. to our physical and energetic yes. bodies yes. so you know no. all of it <laughs> no i had a friend when i used because i used to live in arkansas and i would too was in education and that's like one profession that like people are like teachers get three you know three months off they get summers off i'm like yeah okay <laughs> but like it's never enough but like, I remember I used to like, I had like a friend and he'd like walk and he'd be like, my spirit's not right today. I'm about to walk out. Like, I need to like take a break from that classroom for like, and I had like, I used to, I used to laugh. So I was like, haha, like my spirit's not right. But then I used to walk in, I'd be like, you know what, kids, <laughs> my spirit's not right today. You are all a mess. And like bringing such a mess to me, which I think is hilarious. Cause I'm kind of, well, I mean, cause that is the truth. But like, as you're kind of talking, I'm thinking about like self-care because we think of self-care, I think most people do is like, it is a vacation. Like it's like taking a week off to go to like, you know, I don't know, Vienna or like wherever. So like, I'm thinking about people who don't have the luxury to like go on vacation or people who are like working class. Like I'm thinking about like single moms working two jobs. Like how can they care for themselves when it's like, I'm working, you know, 14 hours a day. Like, what can I do? Like, what are little steps that I, like they could do? Mm -hmm. Great question. I think when you think about self-care, you have to picture the possibilities because we always come from a place of, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. Don't talk to me about that. I got to get X, Y, and Z done. I got to cook dinner. I got to pay bills. And if you enter with the mindset of anything is possible, let's picture that. Then there are so many ways that you can practice self-care. You can wake up in the morning and take a deep breath. You know, mm -hmm. like we could do it together now. Just inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth. 
That's it. Right. It's free. Mm -hmm. You know, we can do that in the morning. You could do that for one minute out of the 1,440 minutes you have during the day. You can sit down and do absolutely nothing for five minutes. You could put down your cell phone. You could say, hey, kids, I need you to watch TV in the next room for these next five minutes. Mommy just needs to sit down and stare at the wall. You know, you can go outside and take a walk. You can stretch your body. You can look in the mirror while you're brushing your teeth and set an intention for the day. You know, it can look like you can you can steep yourself in gratitude while you're drinking your morning tea or coffee, right? There are so many ways to do it that, and it doesn't need to look like running away to the rainforest and the mountains or, you know, going to a yoga class. Like, I don't like going to yoga class, <laughs> you know, and, and I do meditate, but the way I meditate looks very different from someone else who might use like an app or something. Don't give me an app. I don't want an app. Don't give me a phone. Don't, I don't, I don't want that. Right. So I think that's another misconception. Well, there's, there are tools out there for us to leverage, to help us with their self-care, but those, those tools may not work for you. Right. For me, it's an adult coloring book. A friend gave me an adult mm -hmm. coloring book like a couple years ago. I'll go grab the Crayola crayons and I'll color. And that will be my self-care. And I can do that with my kids or I can do that while I'm watching Netflix or whatever. The point is, is that I think we also feel like we've got to get it right or we've got to be consistent with it. Maybe that self-care thing that you did worked for a week or a month and then it don't work no more. Don't force yourself to do it, yeah. right? Like just feel free to change it up because we are evolving human beings, right? You're talking mm -hmm. about humanity. Well, humanity ain't staying the same. So why am I trying to bury myself into an activity that no longer gives me joy? That's why people don't want to meditate. That's why people don't want to yeah. go to the gym, right? Because mm -hmm. it is this awful, burdensome task. That's one more thing to do on my never ending to-do list. When you can lean in joy and happiness and what fills you up and energizes you, I bet you can come up with five to 10 things off the bat. I love that you mentioned that, you know, meditation does not look the same for everyone. And I am with that. I, I strongly, well, I'm, I'm going to use this word. People don't like it. It's fine. I strongly oppose to the apps because it's like we have, we are living in an ever now culture. I say it ever now because everything has got to be now. Everything has got to be fast. Everything has got to be timed. Everything has got to be, you either are in the 5 a.m. club or you're not in the 5 a.m. Mm -hmm. club. If you're not in the 5 a.m. club, then you're not successful. You know, it's like, stop this bullshit everything. Because like you said, I'm getting so passionate. I've got to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it. <laughs> it's, it's like meditation is not digitalized. It's not AI. You know, it, it's something people are failing to realize that it comes from the heart. That's it, right? It's, it's about how do we embrace our fully actualized self? And, and you mentioned a really important point, Shanita, is like offloading. Like the only reason why we offload is because all these things are pulled on from San Francisco Tech Hub and, and now it's the Virginia Tech Hub. Everyone is like, what's the next tech thing that we can all be seduced by? I can have my Apple Watch, I can have my Apple phone. And you know, it's like, I've been in meetings with so many people, so many times, even sometimes podcasts. We did a podcast the other day, Emily, and this dude was not even engaged with us. He was like, oh yeah, 
Oh yeah, it's like what the bloody hell? It's it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like I, are you speaking with us? We have forgotten even dialogues like this gives us a peace of mind. It, it's meditation. And I agree with you. Meditation is not about sitting in lotus position, saying oh, or wearing uh, you, you know yoga clothes. And, and saying, oh, saying that I'm a Mongol, I have been in an ashram. No, stop romanticizing and modernizing concepts that you have seen on the telly and saying, this is what we need to do. I, I'm with you, so I need to sit down right now. Yeah, no, I love it. You're feeling the energy in your body. You do, yeah, yeah, just let it, let it be, let it flow. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're, and, and you know, like meditation, I think we've, we've created structures around it where it needs to look and feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. For me, meditation is, um, sometimes I'm dancing at home. I just turn on my Pandora app and I dance, you know, and that could be with my kids. And we are so frightened of the five minutes of taking away from something else to fill our cups. And um, I would argue and I would offer anyone listening to try it, that you take those five minutes and you see how you feel when you come back to your computer and when you come back to your emails and when you come back to whatever it was you're doing. Um, but yes, we've modernized a lot of sort of ancient, very simple things and we, you can do whatever the heck you want, right? Comes back to courage. You have to give yourself permission to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it my way. It don't look like the way my book club does it, but that's okay. You know, it's like, you know, for, forget the groups, forget the clubs, forget the structures. It's like anything goes. I actually don't get a lot of work done between, um, 2 PM and 4 PM. Like my body's in siesta mode. So if my kids are sleeping, sometimes I'll try to take a nap because I work from home. And the old me would have shamed me, criticized, and judged me. How dare you? How dare you do that in the middle of a work day? And then as I've evolved and become comfortable with my own versions of self-care, I'm like, no, that's, that works for me. And now I can go into my evening, going into my work, feeling, feeling refreshed, feeling reset, and feeling ready to go. Um, and you talked about the heart, Mila, which I think is really important. As a coach, one of the things that I do is I help people tune into their hearts. And most people don't want to hear that. Don't tell me what my heart needs to say. My head is telling me that I have X, Y, and Z to do. But guess what? Your head is also the same place that's filled with the inner critics saying, um, who are you to do that? Who are you to say that? How dare you even go and try to do that? What's wrong with you, right? Never ending list of the teacher or the parent or the, the coach, right? All of these people who showed up in our lives and told us that we can't or we shouldn't because we'll suck and we'll be losers and we will fail. And I've had to work through that stuff. Like I've spent many years coaching, even as a coach, I have coaches that I still work with to help me get over my imposter syndrome because mm. that's why we burn ourselves into the ground. If you think about the correlation between the I am not enough mentality and I'm gonna work, work, work to prove myself and I've gotta work twice as hard and twice as fast, and guess what, it's all connected. It's all connected. I'm grinding out and I can't even trust myself enough to say, you know what? I did enough today. I had a few small wins. I had a few small victories mm -hmm. and I'm okay. 
and I'll make more progress tomorrow. And it don't got to get done overnight. But because we live in instant gratification world now, right, that's also part of the reason why we feel like our hustles and our jobs and all the things that we engage in have to cripple us. And we don't have to operate and walk around like zombies to, like you said, be human. Mm-hmm. It's a clapping moment. One day we'll get the clapping sound right. facts. <laughs> right, we'll have to edit those in. No, I'm just really glad that we're talking about like, because I also like when we're talking about like what does like self care look like. I feel like we're being fed a very like upper class or like upper middle class like white image of what it like what meditation looks like. Because when I think of like self care, I think of like a thin white woman with like a ponytail with like, I don't know what Lululemon, like wearing her yoga bag. And I'm like, okay, so I don't identify with that personally. I don't feel like that. And to me, I'm just like, I'm just glad that I'm like around like other women who like, I don't feel like identify with that. I don't want to speak for you immediately. But like, I just am like glad that we created a space where we can like, move beyond like, what is our societal expectation? Like what joy looks like or what it looks like to be a good professional what it looks like to be a good you know insert anything so i'm just like thankful right now i'm giving my gratitude yeah do what makes you feel good mm-hmm. and where we don't we weren't given permission many of us to do that because it was mm-hmm. like don't do that that's not ladylike or that's not whatever um or don't have someone seeing you cry sometimes i gotta cry on my pillow sometimes mm-hmm. i gotta write in my journal with like stabbing my pillow like today was a bad day and i couldn't you know like it looks so different for me every day you think like what personality should need to have today because my self-care routine or whatever i do might look different but i have got to do what feels good for me because if i don't then i'm gonna snap later on or it's gonna show up as a mistake in the thing that i'm doing you know it's like it's going to show up somewhere and i think we finally have to say enough is enough do i am i willing to burn out again or am i finally going to be able to do something Mm -hmm. you don't have to do everything you just have to do one thing i love what you just said you just have got to do one thing and and I see, just from my lens, I see that a lot of women, right, regardless of, you know, what colour you are, what nationality you are, what age group, whatever, women tend to carry or, or embody that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. more. And I've heard more women say, I'm not enough or am I good enough? Right. And that translates as a form of trauma, because when we say that we're not good enough, Shanita, you brought up a very good, important point at the beginning of your conversation. You, you mentioned about, you know, our grandmothers and mothers, what were ingrained in them, it kind of flows down into us. And that is a form of trauma as well. And I recently read an article, like even generations ago, for example, uh, <clears throat> they gave three examples of people from India, how women are being treated, right? Even though they are empowered now, that trauma still lives in them where at certain times, doubt shows up. And then in the area of Africans, when they come, they're no longer Africans, they're Americans or, or French or Britons, right? That trauma of slavery still exists in their DNA because that kind of somehow comes it passes over because someone in that link of generation has not consciously eliminated 
that thought that it was in the past. It's not on me anymore. And I feel that it's not exactly the same, but trauma in the form of uh, imposter syndrome, or I am not good enough, or, or, you know, I have to do that one more thing to prove myself that I am good enough, that I am a leader. It kind of like compounds onto, uh, not just onto us, but we're passing onto the next generation. So in order to think, like in terms of energy, right? Like I always feel energy from people. Uh, if it's good energy, I feel it. Uh, even in a conversation, when we're having a good conversation, I can feel whether it's good energy or bad energy. And dependent on the energy, the conversation grows or kind of like, kind of like mm-hmm. fizzles out like the phone. <laughs> like, no, I'm with you. Yeah. Go ahead. 100%. Oh, keep going. Keep going. I'll sit down. Go ahead. Oh no, <laughs> no. I was just like, I'm just with you 100 because I do feel, and that's why I also like it made me think. Like, I do. Like, how impacted are you? And like, she, what would you tell somebody who is like so impacted by not so impacted by impacted by like the energy of others? Because I think that like if somebody else's spirit isn't right, like. Do you see that also like the women, like you're coaching, do you see that like impacting their like ability to self-care and like, how do you kind of work around that? Especially even like thinking about even being vulnerable. Like, do you also find that people aren't vulnerable because they don't have like that trust or like they don't have like the energy isn't right? Yeah, you both, (laughs) both of you ladies brought up so many, so many juicy things that I want to comment on. Um, To answer your question directly, yes, there are a lot of women who come to me and they're so burned out. They're at the point where they feel like enough is enough is enough, but I do not know what to do. I do not have the tools yet. I do not have the techniques or, and they're learning to finally say, these mindsets and behaviors no longer serve me. Mm-hmm. How do I step into new ones and shoo away some of those fears or some of those people who cramp my style or who aren't going to like the new me to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be better. And I'm not going to do, I'm not going to fall into that trap. Mm-hmm. I primarily serve women. I mean, I serve men too. I do find that I end up working with a lot of women of color because of what you mm-hmm. shared, Mila. Um, so many communities of color, including myself, I am Indo-Guyanese American, first generation American, mm-hmm. youngest of three from a single parent household. So the struggle is real. Um, you come from a family or a community where there are legacies of sacrifice that are built in. I saw my mother and my grandmother and every every woman and matriarch in my family doing for others. And that sacrificing behavior comes from, you know, if you really want to dig into it, it comes from colonization. It comes yes. from mass marginalization. It comes from Indian indentureship. It comes from, you know, slaves who were taken from Africa to America. I mean, it, it, you name it. I think so many of our communities have these legacies of sacrifice um, built in and that intergenerational trauma is real. It literally is in our DNA. It's generational pathologies that were passed down, patriarchal norms that now we're, we're woke enough to go, okay, I'm not going to stand for that anymore. But for many of the women who came before us, it was not safe to use your voice. It was not safe to advocate for yourself. It was not safe to practice self-care because you could have been punished or judged or shamed or criticized, maybe even ostracized from your community. And so there are a lot of repercussions that folks before us had to face and then said, no, we ain't gonna do that. 
We're not going to talk about feelings. We're not going to, we're not going to talk about, we're not going to express ourselves and lean into joy. Anybody got time for that? Because it's not allowed. It's not safe. My only priority right now is to protect my family, to protect my assets, whatever that look like and keep it moving. And so absolutely, when you are in the womb, you are marinating in that energy. And that is actually some of the healing that I've had to work through in these last few years, because the way I saw the women in my family mother and um, become parents and, and, and mother their children is not the way that works for me. But I had to overcome a lot of fear and shame around the way I roll as a mom of two because of that, right? Because as a child, you don't do what your parents say. You do what your parents do. We are all demonstrations of the behaviors that anyone around us is going to end up demonstrating. And so for no, on the hardest days, on the days where I tell myself I can't do anything else but work or I've got to commit to X, Y, and Z, I have to stop myself and say, am I being a demonstration, a positive demonstration to my daughter and my son? right? Because they're going to walk around saying, oh, mommy's running herself ragged all the time. I guess that's what it means to be a grown-up. I guess that's how I'm going to have to be when I'm in school, when I'm at work, when I show up as an adult, when I grow up one day. And if anyone who's listening feels like you can't, think about the demonstration that you will be and that you are right now for anybody who's watching you, especially if it's your kids. Because believe it or not, people are always watching you people are always observing people are oh especially children they have their eyes and ears open all the time so on the days where i don't feel like walking my talk i don't feel like taking a walk outside i don't feel like opening the coloring book or whatever i have to think about what it's going to mean for them because it's for me i it's up to me to break that generational pattern once mm -hmm. and for all I love it. I love it. I love that you're talking about just the realness of like what it is to see mothers. And I think that we can all say that because like I find myself having to where it's just like I see my mother's mother gave up so much of herself. I see my mother doing the same sacrifices. And I'm like, there's also times where I'm just like, you know what, like, I just need to like hold you and like shake you and like tell you that like, if it's if you're giving up too much of yourself, it's like, not a good thing. So I'm like, I like, I just feel like one day I would like to be a parent and I'm like, I'm glad that like I have you here to like, tell me like, am I demonstrating good behavior? Because it's just like, we have to like keep up ourselves because how are we going to teach like our babies to like do the same thing and care for themselves? Because I do think it's like embedded in all of our DNAs, you know, especially, you know, I feel like I can connect just, you know, seeing my Latina mother and like being Latina myself and just seeing the sacrifices that we all go through. And, and it's just amazing to me. And I'm trying to like actively build myself up while like still honoring like what the women before me have done and it's 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 a tough thing to balance and i think you guys all probably understand i'm really transparent about my mess i think when i got into life coaching i saw other women female coaches out there and they had these beautiful home offices and they would make these cute little polished videos and i was trying to do that because once you work you know, if you have a virtual or online business, social media and putting out content online is actually probably one of the primary ways for you to attract your audience. And I remember trying to fall into that, like, I want to look prim and polished and all of that. Meanwhile, like, you know, my hair isn't brushed. I'm wearing yoga pants. I can bear like, I got like coffee stains on my white Hanes t-shirt and I'm not wearing a bra. And like, you know, I was like, my experience of me trying to 
to do this, you know, trying to pursue entrepreneurship is really messy and it's really ugly. And I don't see anybody mm -hmm. out here being really candid about what that looks like. And obviously that takes vulnerability. And obviously now I feel a little bit more comfortable sharing those stories or even putting out a video on IG of me, you know, dancing or doing something random. But the point is, is that, you know, that perfectionism, we, we, we have to give ourselves permission to say we're not, I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. And I'm willing to be vulnerable about my mess. So as long as I, I guess for me, um, in the work that I do, I, I have to be a demonstration for my clients. So I do also have to show them like, I don't got it right. I don't got it perfect. Mm -hmm. In fact, my clients are the ones who help inspire me and reinvigorate me to keep going and to keep doing what I'm doing, but it ain't easy. And I think one thing that I can't stand is seeing all of these women who are like many I admire, many are in leadership roles or doing really well financially, who, who look like they always have it together. Mm -hmm. And there's always this part of me that's like, no, you don't. You right. don't. <laughs> you're crying. Like you're probably crying like 20 you minutes ago. <laughs> you don't, you don't. And it's okay. Right. Oh, okay. We don't have to compete against each other. Yes. Who's more right. perfect. You right. Know? That's I was like, we all know, we all know the struggle. Like we're all there. <laughs> See, that's the whole reason, right? Uh, like I, I, I echo you, Shanita, I echo you on the, that's the whole reason when, when the intention of this podcast, when I said on the lead, I want to capture raw, raw. When I say raw, I want to capture people in their pajamas, not combing their hair, because that's how, how are you behind a camera? Right. And, but let me show you how my place looks like if I can turn this computer. I've got laundry. I've got laundry. I don't have an office. This is my tiny apartment. Yes, I, I have not cleaned up. I, okay, can it turn? Okay, let's see if it can turn all the way. This is how dirty my apartment is. Yeah, you can see my underwear. <laughs> it's, it's like, Mila, I feel like your apartment's actually pretty clean. <laughs> it's I was like, definitely dirtier apartment yeah right. I love I love that I saw like the laundry rack on the yeah. side right because like I'm stepping on Legos to go get a glass of water to the kitchen and then right. like a dinosaur sitting on the washing machine and yeah I've got my my laundry thing out there too right. and so it's it's um I think finally people are catching on with this notion that it doesn't have to be perfect and proper and I don't need to burn myself out and kill myself to make it seem that way because that's what I was doing to the point where I was like oh no more this is not cute <laughs> and um your energy is everything right? right think about where you show up who you show up to how you show up it's so important and it's never too late so it doesn't matter if in your 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s i work with clients of all ages who are like you know what better now than never and i'm like yeah. damn right you ain't dead yet so <laughs> let's 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 make the rest of this journey for you a really positive one let's get you out of the toxicity whether it's at work or at home or whatever that situation looks like so you can finally enjoy your life you know mm -hmm. You mentioned about the age thing, right? Uh, that's such an important thing. I call it, people say ageism, I call it the age cop block. Sorry if I'm really blunt about this. So people often think, and especially women, right? They often think I'm 40, I can't stop. I started my business when I was 40, two years ago. People told me, oh, you're old. What? It, it, 
<laughs> yeah, people have told me I'm old, I'm 40, I'm irrelevant. Um, no one is going to get me to speak up there because I don't look in my 20s. It's like, I don't give a damn about it. I am presenting content. I'm providing value, right? It's not a matter of 40, you're dead. No. It's, it's like, <clears throat> you... You only start living when you're 40. Look, I, I feel like in your mid-30s and then 40s, then you're like, okay, this is truly how I'm going into the world and I'm going to be tackling this. Because just from my perspective, from zero to 10, I was a child. 10 to 20, I was still living under my parents' roof. You know, I, I was like a teenager. Like, I didn't have life experiences. From 20 to 30, I was like, oh, yeah, a lot of trial and error. Still a baby. Um, yeah, but still learning, right? Still learning. Then 30, oh, okay. I went out, tried businesses, you know, tried a lot of uh, different things. I was still in my corporate career, <clears throat> in my 20s, corporate career educator, but still I was not learning. I operated from a very egocentric perspective. Then in my 30s, I was like, oh, okay. I learned about ethnocentrism. In the late 30s, that's when I was like, I learned about world-centric. You know, I'm not afraid to say that. But the point is, I continuously learned, and people have this this very myopic lens as to <clears throat> by thirty five you need to get your shit together, by forty you need to be the VP, by fifty you need to have a retirement plan, a house in Florida or wherever, right? You you take a boat and go up there and drink uh, margaritas or what's the other one called with peach sangria? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love me a sangria. <laughs> you know, there there are two things that you shared there that I want to expand on, Mila. Um, when you talked about people saying, oh, no, you can't, right? What were they doing? They were offloading their fears onto mm -hmm. you. Projection. They were they were projecting, exactly, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're jealous. They're, they're throwing the haterade on you because they're like, oh, man, she's so courageous. She's going to do that now, even though there's all these unknowns, even though she might be taking risks man there's a part of them that wishes that they can do it too and so when you get those negative energy people around you then you just need to step away from them which it sounds like you did because you're thriving in your business now and then the other thing that you talked about is this notion that there are benchmarks and there are metrics to which we must measure our success and that's because we've placed the highest value on money right I have to make a six-figure salary and I have to make sure I get this position and that promotion and that this much is going into my Roth IRA or whatever the heck it is. And that's something I've had to uncondition myself too. Again, when it's for many, especially communities of color where you're broke, you're an immigrant, right? You're just trying to achieve the American dream. You're just, try, mm -hmm. you're just trying to make it, right? So there's a lot of that that's sort of interwoven into this sense that you cannot play it unsafe. You cannot take risks. And by golly, don't you even dare step into the unknown. But one of the biggest pieces of uh, aha advices, advice moments I got when I was in my coaching program was that there is power in the unknown. There's power in the unknown. And I, I remember the first time I heard that, like my jaw dropped because I was like, say what? Like the unknown was scary. The boogeyman was there and nobody has time for that. We need a plan so we know everything. And 
the more I shifted into embracing the power of unknown, which takes a lot of vulnerability, courage, faith, you name it, right? It's, you can't go in blind. You definitely need to be resourced up. But all of that to say, and a coach can help you do that, just FYI. But all of that to say that the more I leaned into that notion, um, the more I gave myself permission to just be. And, you know, I'm 34 now. And for the first time in my life, I'm not afraid. Like in the first time in my life, I have more, more courage, power, and strength than I've ever had. And there's no turning back from here. Thank you. I really need that support. <laughs> no, no, it's so true. It's so true because when you mentioned... I stand up every time I get passionate. Like <laughs> good, you got the energy flow. It's the first flowing. time I've seen Mila really stand up for it. It's like this is a good conversation. Good, good. No, I was like, this is the metric that I'm going to say. Did she stand up? Right, it's okay. So successful. Right, yeah, so it's okay. We're good. We made it. <laughs> you mentioned about allowing yourself, giving yourself permission, right? And that's such an important thing, and. Giving ourselves permission is directly related with letting our own energy flow through us. You spoke about Reiki, Anu, you spoke about spirit. Does my spirit feel good about this? Right? And, and that's the whole thing. When we limit permission, when we listen to other people, and based on their opinions, we are using their opinions as a barometer to gauge, like you mentioned, badly. Badly is equal to money. And when we adopt that mindset, energy immediately stops flowing through it. First, the minute we say, I am giving my permission, energy flows through every part of your body. And I was listening to this podcast the other day, it's called The Naked Eye, and he spoke about how even our eyesight is related to our mental beliefs. Right, and there's some truth to it. When you have mental block, there's an energy flow that is preventing you from visualizing to have great insight and eyesight. Mm. And when you mentioned about permission, how many times have we prevented giving ourselves permission to do something, to eat that cake, eat that bloody cake, don't listen mm -hmm. to other people? I love cake, by the way. And no, I'm just, writing that down. Eat that bloody cake. That's like, <laughs> yes. Tell myself. Well, eat those tacos. I don't even tacos. Oh, I love them. Oh, I had such good tacos last week too. It's, it's like, give yourself permission. Let the energy flow and embrace, right? And so many times we live in a world, in a society, in different parts of the world. So this is just not inherently present in the United States. But there's so many negativity going out there, the, the whole rat race of competition, you see it on Instagram, you see it on TikTok, you see it on Facebook, you see it, now you see it on LinkedIn. It's, I am better, I'm the leader, I'm the influencer, listen to me, you know, buy my courses, like quite all that noise down and the energy will flow because all that noise are just high rise building that prevents energy from reaching you. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I love that metaphor, a high-rise building. That's like, I can totally visualize that, especially living in New York, you know, <laughs> just like something that's just blocking you up and cramping your style and you can't see because it's all up in the way. There's another, um, 
there's a quote that I really like from life coach Yanla uh, Van Zant, who I admire adore, and adore, and she says that um, comparing yourself to others in comparison is an act of violence against yourself. Mm. And when you think about it, it's so true, right? Because the minute you start comparing yourself to others, right, you go down that rabbit hole. And all my, oh man, I'm not enoughness. All that stuff comes up. And then that leads to you burning out. That leads to you saying, all right, I'm not going to take some time for myself because I got to be cute like, like boo-boo over here on, you know, my faith on this Facebook feed. And it's like, no, no, you don't. You can actually do whatever you want. And I think about the most successful people out there. I try not to study successful people too much because I also like get caught up in the trap of comparing myself but all of that to say like those people who are out there just being their authentic selves they're doing it because they are no they are no longer willing to listen to the noise around them and to compare and to contrast and to 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 be a copycat even right for many of us entrepreneurs give me the template i want to know the formula that you followed so i can go make my six figures and so i can do this and i can sell and i can get clients and I finally learned how to tune, turn that off. And the more I turn it off, and it's not easy, trust me, it is not easy, but the more I do it, oh man, the more like the energy, the good karma and all the good juju comes back to me. I love that you shot, you're not like that boo-boo over that. <laughs> it's, so, it's so true though. It's so true that, because <clears throat> I used to have really bad body image. Like, I'm not a size four, I'm not a size six, I'm not even a size eight, I'm a size 10. And I used to like look at someone petite and say, oh, I want to be petite like her, or she's wearing a size four. It's like, to buy clothes for my body is so very difficult. It, it, it's, I had to embrace, I had to truly embrace my uniqueness in order to like get over that. Mm -hmm. Right, and sometimes we, <clears throat> excuse me, like you mentioned that we are not doing a service, by comparing ourselves and we're doing it subconsciously we're not even actively doing it sometimes but it's the residual energy that you pick up from scrolling through your feed or you know watching the news cycle or whatever it is that's impacting your energy so all it is to me is that self-care is made is your own energy management so that you don't burn yourself mm -hmm. into the ground period and if we can just all get on that boat right <laughs> our lives would be so much easier <laughs> I was gonna say choo choo, but books do not make we can that. Get on the train. No, we can get on the train. Let's get on the train. <laughs> My son loves train. Energy yeah. management train. Hot, yes. We can get you from hot mess express <laughs> to flying first class. <laughs> right. mm. I love it. I love it. That's wild. Yeah, I love it. I just want to ask everyone right now, like, what do you guys need? Like, what do you need to do for yourself right now? That's, that's so deep on the <laughs> Now that she's, we're in the no, She's a life coach. She's throwing it out right now. There. I'm already there. One, one hour call with Shanita and I'm here. <laughs> but, but, that's, it, but it goes back to, to the beginning of our conversation, right? What do you need? And, and that's such an important question to ask to remove all that blockage, right? Let's remove the buildings. Let's remove the mental blocks, the emotional blocks, the, the physical blocks that we hold onto, not just 
imposed by someone else, but imposed by ourselves, but imposed by what we have seen our parents do, our moms do, our sisters do, right? And, and our teachers, whatever, our bullies, whatever is learned from the looking glass self, you know, we take on all these different identities based on how other people see us. So, but that's such an important and highly, highly key question to ask, what do you need now? So with that, I want to end this really, really passionate conversation. <laughs> She's standing, y'all. She's standing up still. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's up again. <laughs> I, what kind of advice would you give our listeners out there? You mentioned energy management, right? I want to hear from both of you. How can we promote or catalyze energy management from a very micro, micro action perspective, uh, from a three-pronged perspective as well? Home, society, workplace. I think like for me now that you put in that question like what do you need and like <clears throat> what do you need from work what do you need from home like you know what I mean what do you need from society and for me it's like okay so from home like do I need like peace at home or do I need quiet at home or do I need to be alone or do I need to like engage with people I think it's always like for me, or like, I just remember thinking like for my workplace, like what do I need for my workplace? And I would see like some days, like maybe I just need to be really close and have like that heart to heart with my colleague. Maybe I need to have lunch with my colleague or like maybe today I just need the kids to behave or like I need the kids like, or I need to even have like heart to hearts with the kids or like kids coming to me or maybe I just need like a really good lesson today. And like from society, I need a lot from society, but you know, I'm gonna try like the micro lens of like, what the things that I need from but I just for me as a whole like I just need just like a society like a greater kindness a greater understanding um I need places that I can feel safe I need spaces that I can feel safe and sometimes it's just like I need to create those myself or you know because I need I think we can look at three-prong approach and like now that I have like this really good question it's just like okay what do I need at home what do I need here what do I need for my friends like what do I need for my family so that's where I'm kind of, now I feel illuminated. You are illuminating right now. Just to <laughs> see that in the screen. And I think that's so beautiful. That's the question I, I start off with, with every one-on-one -on -one client group workshop, doesn't matter who I'm working with. It always goes back to your needs because your needs are what bring you to your core aliveness and your core aliveness is what energizes you, right? Um, but to just build on that, as a coach, right, I think a lot of the times, sometimes people are like, oh, well, why should I work with you or whatever? And I'm like, oh, well, because there's also action and accountability. We can mull over in our heads what works or what doesn't work for us, but what's that one thing you're going to do today? What's that one thing you're going to do in the next hour? What's that one, right? And like, what accountability are you going to put in place to help you follow through? Maybe it's setting alarm. Maybe it's asking your partner to say, hey, can you check me at 7 p.m. and ask me if I, if I took that walk outside or, or push mm -hmm. me outside and get my sneakers off for me so I can actually go outside. Yeah, like what? what? <laughs> yeah, because at the end of the day, we have to do something, just one thing. Mm 
that's it. Just one thing. Like I recently launched this video series called One Minute Reset, and it's just an, it's a call to action, right? I used to make videos about self-care, and what I realized was that I'm not helping people do it. I'm talking about it, but it's really important that we do something. So now these one minute videos are simply an opportunity to activate our breath, get aligned with our body, alleviate any tension, and inspire a, a further like call to action. So act. For everybody who's listening, take action. Do one thing and just figure out like how you want to follow through with it. Mm -hmm. That's all. Because you do that one thing, then you'll be more compelled to do it again and again and again and build from there. One thing, that's all. That's See, like, a, it's a commercial in like Milwaukee. Like it's this attorney, David Gruber, he's like, one call, that's all. And like, that's like his, I mean, it's been since I was like a little kid, like one call, that's all. I'm like, one thing. And you thing. remember it. Right. That's all. That like, jingle is thing. still in your head. It still <laughs> sticks with you. I love it. I, so, I wore his t-shirt like two days ago. So <laughs> he gives away free t-shirts and I have a free backpack from like David Gruber. Support your bachelorette party. Right. <laughs> yeah, if I ever get married, I, I told Mila, I was like, if I ever get married, like, I, I need a David Gruber themed bachelorette party. <laughs> like, <yeah>, I know. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Shanita. Thank you, Annalie, for thank joining you. us and sharing this space and enabling this space on hardship. Because mm -hmm. hardship, our mission is to approach topics from a very three-pronged perspective. How do we belong? Where do we belong? Home, society, and workplace. And it's about the future of us and leadership. We're just not leaders in corporate setting, but leaders even in our homes and even in society. And most importantly, we are leading ourselves. So move that energy like what Shanita shared do one small action according to <laughs> groupers <laughs> jingle one call that's all but <laughs> but let's do it as one action that's all thank you shanita